You're part of Radio Sega's Winterfest 2020. Cozy down and fest up. This is a Dreamcast disc and is for use only on a Dreamcast unit. Playing this disc on a hi-fi or other audio equipment can cause serious damage to its speakers. Dreamcast, up to six billion players. Welcome back to the stage of history. Why don't we play together? Hey, 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 it's time to make some crazy money. Are you ready? Here we go! Please stop this disc now. Now, 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 now. Hello and welcome to another episode of DreamPod by Dreamcast Junkyard. It's a special episode we're bringing you today uh, for a couple of reasons. First off, uh, this will be broadcast over the online airwaves courtesy of our lovely friends at Radio Sega. They asked us to take part in their Winterfest for 2020 and of course we said yes. It's basically a Christmas tradition now and how could we ever say no to their cute little faces? It's also a special episode as it's the first one we've recorded since the junkyard turned 15 years old. Uh, Yep, you heard me. The Dreamcast junkyard is now officially 15. It can legally buy a copy of Code Veronica from GameStation, though it's about 20 years (laughs) too late for that pleasure, unfortunately. Huge shout out to everyone who supported the yard read the articles, listened to the Dream Pod, interacted with us online. You're amazing. Uh, thanks also to anyone who's contributed over the years. And I'm sure that the guys joining me tonight will concur when I say a massive thank you to the man himself, Tom Charnock, who started all of this off and without whom we wouldn't all be sat here today. If ever there was an actual Mr. Dreamcast, it's you, Tom. Uh, oh. Congrats on 15 years. I'm feeling overcome with emotion, to be honest there, Andrea. I'm just, I'm kind of wafting my face, you know, like women do when they kind of get a bit <laughs> emotional. Like. I tell you, it's my only claim to fame, if it, if it weren't for the Dreamcast Junk, I'd probably just be like a homeless bum or something. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> it's a good job that you have the Dreamcast Junkyard then, Tom. Really? Um, so I'd probably better introduce everyone, I suppose. Um, so um, joining me, uh, I'm your host for this episode, Andrew. Uh, I have four dreamy guys ready to talk your ear off about the little white box. Uh, you've already heard some of them, so this will now come as no surprise whatsoever. First up, it's the man who lives to race and races to a modest Twitch audience. He has a mightily impressive helmet too, I must say. Uh, as nobody has ever once said about him before, he puts the jazz in jazz hands. It's stalwart DCJY contributor James. How are you? I'm delighted to be first to be talked about. If Tom was hosting, <laughs> I wouldn't even be thought about for another five minutes. So oh. thank you, Andrew. It's, it's very, very, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's really nice. I feel good. Don't get I used to good. it. Don't get used to oh, it, James. Yeah, all right. All right. All right. <laughs> as soon as Tom's back on, you're bottom of the pile again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why I don't come on anymore. Um, <laughs> moving on. Uh, next, it's our very own audio editor extraordinaire and lover of all things bizarrely Japanese. Uh, his claim to fame is that his dad is Brian Cox. No, not the D-Ream member turned physicist or the Scottish actor or the American film director. I'm not sure where I'm going with this, actually. It's Lewis. How's it going? <laughs> Hello, yes, I am happy to be here, feeling very festive. And just to add, my dad is actually a professor, so he is Professor Brian Cox. Wow. But not that Brian Cox. Uh, He'll hopefully listen to this. I'm sure he'll uh, he'll smile as he hears his name mentioned. Um, and you doing good? I yes, I am. I am a, a big fan of Christmas, and I enjoyed the last Winterfest episode. So, I am happy to be part of this one. It's going to be good. It's going to be. I can feel it already. 
All right, next up, it's uh, a regular of the Dream Pod who has a Dreamcast collection so large that his wife may soon be confined to one room of the house. Well, at least that's his explanation anyway. Uh, it's the A to Z of Dreamcast games author, Mike. How are you? Good evening. Uh, all true, and I am glad to be here. Awesome. Very good. Feeling festive as well? Not in the slightest. I hate Christmas. Okay. I, hate, I hate Christmas. <laughs> with, with Lewis and Mike, is it you sure we have got like too much excitement going on in this uh, in this yeah. session today? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, I mean, I am happy to take the role of the Christmas Grinch of this episode. Uh, last but never least, it's the head honcho himself, the big man, the boss, my muse, my flame. Sorry, he made me say all that. Uh, you would too if you saw the size of his shotgun. In all seriousness, though, he is the only parent on this podcast to have a 15-year-old child. It's the man himself, Tom. How are you? Hello, everybody. Yes, I'm great. Thank you very much, Andrew. That's an amazing intro. Um, uh, Lewis, I'm just intrigued about how much you enjoy Christmas because the way you said that then was like you actually were said, you know, you were forced to say it under duress. Um, <laughs> By you, maybe. Possibly, yes. <laughs> Look, it, 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 in in my sort of head voice, I sound really excited, but in the voice you hear, it's just kind of one tone. So, yeah. sorry, can I just check? Is that the Tom we were talking about at the beginning? Yes. Okay, cool. Just, yeah, just yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, It's me. Yeah, yeah. Hi, everybody. Hello. <laughs> I do joke, but I will say, and I've said this before, I think, on the show. I remember because I followed the Dreamcast and Dreamcast Junkyard for so many years before getting involved. You joke about Tom being a celebrity, but he did feel it felt like I was speaking to a celebrity when I first spoke to Tom. Oh, exactly. See, see, I, I, I've I've been in a room and seen Tom's um, what can only be called legendary dance moves. So <laughs> I, I have to say the celebrity status was somewhat ripped apart. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, I remember when, when um, the guys from Metro Collect put him on Twitter, and I was just like, "Oh my god, what yeah. have I done? What have I done?" Anyway. We won't talk about that. <laughs> All right, should we swiftly move on to other things? Um, away from Tom's dance moves, uh, which we now all have to see at some point in the near future. Um, Send in the link now. Send in the link now. Oh, lovely. Uh, um, so usually uh, we'd go around and see what everyone's picked up for the Dreamcast lately and what they've been playing. But we all know I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm a rule breaker. All right, maybe not. Um, I just like to mix things up a bit. So in honour of Winterfest 2020, my question to you, fine gents, is this. What is your favourite Christmas or winter-themed Dreamcast game? James, I'm going to come to you first. I, I, mine was a little bit of a cheat because it's not really a fully fledged game but whenever i think of dreamcast and christmas time i always think about the toy commander dreamcast demo the the christmas level um and i, I just love the whole christmas theme it was you know completely well first of all that if i memory serves me correctly the actual menu on the dream on demo disc was all sort of christmas fied with uh, with a nice christmas wintry cabin covered in snow before you press start on the thing itself and then loading up the demo it was basically toy commander but a completely new level where you go around collecting presents to drop under the tree and once you've finished everything lo and behold a dreamcast and a controller and a vmu and a copy of toy commander appear under the tree ready for for christmas morning so whenever i think wintry snow and dreamcast um it's that demo that immediately comes to mind for me. That's pretty nice. Which year was that again? Sorry, was that 2000 or? 
Yeah, I want to say 2000, Christmas 2000, yeah. It might be That's... 99, actually. Would it, maybe it was 99. Yeah, it was I'm going to have to fa- it was, it was yeah. But was the demo 99, or was the demo oh, the year yeah, after? yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe it was the year after. I'm sure I've written an article about this, so uh, forgive me a second, I've looked Of course, of course. <laughs> See, sure, of course you have. You definitely have. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it would have been 99, um, because, yeah, it would have been like the third or fourth demo disc. But, um, but yeah, and they, and they did it again in the summer. I think we've mentioned this before as well. They did a summer themed. It was almost DLC before. Nowadays, if that come out, they'd charge you 13 quid for it and yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, and probably have a load of microtransactions in there as well. But I don't know if it was just me, but there was always something back in the day as well about seeing a, a ver- you know seeing a, a, the console in a game as well. There's just something about seeing a Dreamcast in a Dreamcast game that made it quite cool at the end, um, at the end of the demo. But there was a obviously you had to control a um, a toy Father Christmas as well, which obviously wasn't in the full version of the game. So um, that was a, a nice little unique um, addition as well. Um, but yeah, as someone who grew up playing a lot of demos um, and uh, and obviously Christmas being very uh, exciting for for a, a teenage lad. It was, uh, yeah, the two the two go hand in hand for me. Yeah, I'm going to have to dig that demo disc out now. I mean, that sounds like the most festive thing ever, like finding the Dreamcast under the tree at the end of it all. That's really nice. I like that. I don't think I've ever played it, so that's definitely something I need to dig out. Um, all right, coming round the table, Lewis, what's your festive, wintry game of choice? So yeah, I'm going to be kind of boring and say one of the proper obvious ones, but I'm also worried someone else has selected this, but mm-hmm. um, I'm first, so ha. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm just going to yeah be super boring and, and pick Shenmue uh, because of obviously, you know, Santa appearing in it if you get to the specific time of year in the game the reason i found this out was and people who are new to shenmue need to sort of look this up and find out how to do it but there's scenes in the game where basically nozomi confesses to rio and those are like really good almost vital scenes i think to the telling of the story but they're they're kind of hidden away and you have to do specific things to find them and one of those scenes is um, available in december and so in order to actually see the scene you have to push the game's time to december in order to unlock it obviously around that time you're seeing this santa that's uh, walking down the street and i think he's promoting a store of some kind and you've obviously got all the lights and you've got like the the christmas in dobuita theme that is on the uh, the soundtrack mm-hmm. um so yeah and i i think that kind of is a really good addition to shenmue because obviously shenmue is this sort of almost life simulator so to kind of add in these these changing of the seasons into the game um is really cool and i think if you actually go on longer you can you can actually witness a uh, new year as well so like mm-hmm. um you see a lot of the uh, the characters in uh, like kimonos and stuff like that um so if you if you if you're playing the game long enough I don't, you'd have to be kind of bad to get all the way to new year in the game you know <laughs> really taking your time buying all the capsule toys never doing any of the quests but yeah you can uh yeah you can see christmas and new year in in shenmue so that's my pick it, obviously there's not many christmasy games like you know not a lot of, not, not a lot of games tend to focus on christmas as a sort of a main theme but there's a lot of really cool christmas uh, additions to games we all love and then and shenmue is a, a, a good example yeah 
definitely. I was going to ask about the New Year's thing actually, because it's um, the game ends at a certain point in January if you don't if you don't do anything. Is mm-hmm. that right? I think it's like towards the end of January yeah. it will just end. Yeah. <laughs> Bad ending basically. Is yes. it Landy will come in like kill Rio or something like that? Yeah. There's what the same thing happens in Shenmue too. I think there's actually a bad ending in that as well. Wow, interesting. But yeah, very, very nice, very, very festive. Shenmue always, uh, always was. Um, who should I come to next, Mike? What's your choice? Yes. Um, so my choice was going to be Shenmue, but luckily I, I thought of a second choice, so I'm prepared. Um, so for me, it's a, a bit of an off, a bit of a, a weird choice, but I am going to pick a Wacky Races. Um, and I'm picking Wacky Races because of the of the snow, wintry levels. Um, yeah. I do love uh, kart racing games that have sort of snow levels. It's sort of one of the standard sets of, of levels you have in these kind of games. And I think Wacky Races does it really well. It just sort of feels quite... Um, classical wintry scenes reminds me a little bit of the of the wintry scenes in Nightmare for Christmas, where you have the sort of when it goes to Christmas Town, um, and it's a film which plays in my house quite a lot. So um, I always think of Wacky Races Snow Levels as being a really good uh, Christmassy game for me. Do you know I can I can see that in my in my head now. Wacky Races is one of the games that when when I had a Dreamcast um, back in the day, I bought when it first came out and played it to death. And I can mm-hmm. vividly see those snow uh, levels with like the cabins and stuff in the background yeah. as you drive around. Yeah, and I know what of, you mean. The sort of lanterns swaying in the mm-hmm. in, in the yeah. In the wind. It's really nice sort of really, uh, the entire games. I think it's, it's really. Um, I actually picked it as our choice for the DC Advent Calendar a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. and it, it's just—it's a really nice, colourful, bright game. I think Wacky Races as well, because I grew up watching Wacky Races, and uh, I love the sort of cartoon anyway. It just has a real nostalgic feel to the game, mm-hmm. and I think it fits perfectly with, uh, with the Christmassy theme. I think it's, it's a lot of cart type games have it. I think you know Mario Kart has snow levels, but it doesn't really have that same sort of feel. It's—it's it's just a very uh, what I'm looking for. It's a very joyous set of levels. I think one of my favourite kart games with a snow sort of environment would be Diddy Kong Racing on the N64. Yes. There's, there's some really atmospheric kind of tracks through the through the trees with like little uh, log cabins that are really nicely lit up. It just, even though in my mind it looks amazing, if I went back to it now, it'd probably look pretty bad. Just like yeah. a lot of N64 games do. In yeah, they had like day. Christmas trees as but, well. They weren't yeah. Christmas trees, but like pine trees with obviously covered in snow. And they yeah, had exactly, like yeah. The, and yeah, like you said, the, the houses and stuff with the bright yellow lights coming out of the window. Sort of set at night time, if mm. I remember those those levels in Diddy Kong. But um, yeah, this uh, otherwise we'll end up talking about N64 Junkyard if we, uh, <laughs> if we carry on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, not all we're here for. Um, so let's move on to Tom's choice. Uh, what's your choice, Tom? Yeah, cool. Just like Mike, I was kind of racking my brains to trying to think of something a little bit outside the box. And I kind of went from like Sega Rally snow stages to uh, Hydro Thunders, more kind of Arctic-based courses. But then I thought, well, no, that's not really what we're looking for because anything with snow in it could generally be um, chosen. Um, so I kind of went back into my... like recesses of my memory to try to think of something that kind of really kind of impressed me and made me feel like it was a winter scene that actually made me feel cold and this is quite an unusual choice I think I don't think many people will have played this game but basically it's an indie RPG that was released back in 2016 called Zia and the God- Goddesses of Magic 
Mm-hmm. Uh, this game was released by Ryansoft, uh, and it's got a very kind of 2D, sort of Super Nintendo-esque kind of visual style to it. But there is a point in the game where everything kind of changes to like a sort of a snowy winter theme. And I just remember it feeling really cool that this village that I'd previously been in when it was like in the summer months had like suddenly changed to like this kind of winter uh, aesthetic and just you know it, 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 it i was able to visit the same spaces that i'd been in previously when the you know the washing lines were out and the, the trees were full of fruit and then suddenly it's winter time and everything's changed and um it just made me kind of feel a bit kind of yeah this is this is really cool for an indie game mm-hmm. um I don't know if have any of you guys played it. I know Mike, you've probably played it, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, so it's a cozy feel, isn't it? It's all very yeah. cozy feel to the game. The sort of the snow-covered roofs of the village and the way you can kind of yeah. go into people's houses, and you just you can almost feel the warmth as you go into another cabin. That it's all kind of right. brightly lit, and there's like fires burning in the sort of the, the fireplace, and then you step back out into the cold, sort of crunchy snow, and it's like even though it doesn't really convey it very well, it's not a, a very graphically advanced game. As I say, it looks like a Super Nintendo game. That's the whole point, but just the way it does it. It, it, it almost kind of captures that magic of of that era of 16-bit RPGs. And I just thought it was really well done. So, yeah, that's my choice, Zia, and the Goddesses of Magic. Mm-hmm. I, th- I thought you were going somewhere completely... When you were saying about a game that made you feel cold, and I was actually going to pick this before it was too obscure, and then when you started saying that intro, I was like, oh, Tom's gone here. Was the, um, the Agatha beta or alpha or whatever you want oh, to call yeah. it? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean, when, yeah. The video that you made, I remember watching that and thinking, man, this looks, it felt really atmospheric even watching you play it. And I, oh. I think that would have potentially been a really good one as well, had it ever yeah, actually seen the light of day. Mm. Very true. Very true. What about you, Andrew? Um, What's your choice? Oh, well, I mean, the the obvious and easy choice for me would be D2, because it's just, you know, it's, mm. it's the Canadian tundra, so it's, it's cold. But um, I thought, no, I'll go with something different. Um, again, slightly obvious, though, because I'm, I'm not one of the, uh, the team who kind of dives deep into the obscure stuff. I kind of, I stay fairly surface level. That's me. Um, and uh, I thought I'd go with Blue Stinger because it's Christmas themed, for goodness yeah. sake. It says Christmas yeah. decorations everywhere. There's Christmas trees. There's Christmas cards hanging around. It's very Christmassy. It's probably the most Christmassy Dreamcast game there is because it is fully set at Christmas, pretty much. Um, or at least the, the, the kind of clock stopped in the location at Christmas uh, because of what happened. So I thought, uh, yeah, that's pretty much that would be my pick. And it's a game that I really want to go back to and try and enjoy. It's, uh, it's it's a difficult one. It's, a it's difficult basically one. the the diehard of the Dreamcast library, isn't it? Yeah, Blue yeah. pretty much. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going. I need to pick up the Japanese version at some point just so I can play it with the static camera angles. So I feel like I might enjoy it more with with those angles, perhaps, because um, the camera really does uh, does ruin things quite a lot <laughs> for that game. Mm. But yeah, uh, that's that's one I would uh, I would suggest for Christmas. I think that's a very Christmassy game. Um, Maybe before not we, quite as much as Shenmue, perhaps, but yeah. Before we move on, I just want to... Because, see, I, I thought... I was kind of like Mike. I'd prepared a second choice because I thought someone else would say Shenmue, but you got to me first. Mm. And my other second choice was actually going to be um, Sonic Adventure because there's mm-hmm. a like one of the sort of first examples of DLC is one that makes the... Yeah. Uh, Station Square, all Christmassy. Mm. Um, I have a, if you if you want to know more, have a look for um, an article I put on the drunk junkyard a few. I think it was a few years ago now, but basically there was a 
the the Christmassy theme. I think there's like a, a Christmas tree that goes up in Station Square that actually yeah. stops you from completing part of the story. So oh, wow, because <laughs> you can't get a particular item because this tree's in the way. So yeah, it's quite a, a funny read if you if you want to look it up. On that Just, topic, um, sorry, on that on, topic. Um, no, no, I'll, I'll let you go, Daddy Dreamcast. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly creepy name that you've given me there, Daddy Dreamcast. Um, uh, I was going to say, <laughs> by the time this is broadcast on Radio Sega on Winterfest, this might have already happened. Um, I had an idea about doing something with, you know, looking at all the different Christmas trees in, in Dreamcast games because there are a lot of games that do actually make uh, take advantage of the internal clock and add Christmas-themed stuff to yeah. to the game. So like things like Ready to Rumble, you get Christmas trees in the crowd. Yeah. Um, as Lewis has alluded to, the, you've got the, the, the DLC for Sonic Adventure. Um, there, there are plenty more. Uh, I don't want to spoil the whole surprise now. But um, yeah, I'd, maybe just like a, a critique of the the quality of Christmas trees in Dreamcast games is <laughs> is something that people may, that may appreciate. Is, that is the sort of <laughs> subject that we are known for. <laughs> Sadly, it reminds yes. me a uh, rung a bell of uh, Mike's flags article. It kind of reminded me of that uh, critiquing Christmas trees. Outstanding journalism that was Mike. <laughs> was. That's the kind of that is the content I come onto the internet for. I don't want to go onto a, a website and read about people kicking off about something that's not important in a game. I want yeah. to read about flags. That's it. I mean, we're, we're, <laughs> a, bu- we're a bunch of, of 30 and 40-year-old people who are, who are playing games from 20 years ago. If we can't have fun with the articles we write, then I don't know what we can do. <laughs> um, I just wanted to add two things. Um, first of all, because of Lewis's fraudulent slip of the tongue there, I think I- I've got a really good idea. We should create the Dreamcast drunkyard where we just get pissed and, and upload articles of absolute nonsense I and mean, that might be, might be quite a good laugh um and then secondly i was just going to basically say what what tom said i, I think you know th- there's something awesome about um uh festive and seasonal activities and spin-offs of games that you you're familiar with i think it's why so many people love seasonal stuff on traditional mmos and nowadays pretty much every game as a service will do some sort of festive and and seasonal activities but i started thinking back to the day funny enough i was looking at some of the um ebay auctions for some of the old amiga uh amiga power discs that used to be on the front and it's like mm-hmm. they used to have these christmas theme games on the front discs of amiga power every year or something different that there was a that you'd probably like this tom there was one there was a mixture of cannon fodder and sensible soccer oh, uh, fantastic. yeah um was that was floppy really disc or a cd floppy good yeah. stuff um but it, you know, I, there's just it, things like Christmas nights, for example, things oh, yeah. like the, the 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 demo for Toy Commander, and th- it was just it was really interesting back then to see how different publishers kind of, um, you know, tried to 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 get people excited at Christmas, probably with the hope of after after everyone's back in work that you go and buy the actual game in the you know the full game in the first place. But yeah, there's just was- something magical about seasonal stuff there was tons of stuff for that on the pc as well like yeah. stuff and a lot of the build engine games had yeah. a ton of uh, christmas specials always worth looking forward to christmas uh, issues of pc gamer for all of the uh, fan and developer created stuff i wonder how many um sorry to drag this on a bit but i wonder how many dreamcast related christmas like easter eggs there are using the clock that have never been found there must be some more that you know i know a lot of the big games have them but I'd be really interested to see 
In fact, that's my Christmas sorted. Christmas in lockdown, sorted. On the Dreamcast. <laughs> Looking through every game. Oh, your girlfriend's going to love you this Christmas. Um... <laughs> like, Cal, come here, Cal, look at this. Look at this tree. <laughs> if we play Spirit of Speed on Christmas Day. <laughs> it might be good. It might be good. Yeah. Hey. Uh, it would be interesting to see more than just the Christmas stuff they have as well. Like I'd assume that a lot of games would have Halloween stuff maybe or mm, yeah. um, Easter stuff. It would be interesting to see what there is out there. Maybe some kind of um, definitive list of seasonal happenings in Dreamcast games would be quite cool. Mm. Um, and just to also bring up um, James's point about uh, Lewis's slip of the tongue, we also need a drunk pod where we just all get very drunk and chat drunk i mean i'm drinking yeah, a gin right now but i'm not I mean, i'm drinking a glass of wine so drunk it's every episode isn't it surely maybe that maybe that could be <laughs> our kind of christmas special over the, the christmas and new year's break we'll do a drunk pod sounds good yeah we just awesome. slag off the dreamcast and big up the playstation for... <laughs> <laughs> totally okay i'm in um let's do it winterfest 2020 december 18th to the 21st only on radio sega all right, so um, that was good. Um, some very good festive-themed games there. Um, but we're going to move on to the main topic for the episode, uh, which has little to do with the festive season, really. Uh, it's going to be something a bit different, which is that each of us is going to bring two things to the table. Uh, in a tradition stolen shamelessly from the Americans, we're going to reveal what we are thankful for this year in 2020. Shocking, I know. Not much to be thankful for this year. But in the Dreamcast scene, what are we thankful for? Um, or perhaps not not so thankful for, perhaps. Uh, this could be a game, or a piece of hardware, or something else entirely. Uh, we'll discuss that topic, and then before we move on to the next one, I'll be asking each person to name a favourite track from a Dreamcast game. Uh, this is Radio Sega, after all, so we had to make an effort. Uh, so, are we ready for this? Are we ready for ready. giving ready. thanks to Dreamcast this year? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Um, Tom... As uh, James's dubbed you Daddy Dreamcast, let's start with you. What, what are you thankful for in 2020? I'm thankful. Well, I'm not thankful for, be, for being called Daddy Dreamcast for a start. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm saving your name on my phone, Daddy Dreamcast. Tom, I've just checked, and the Twitter handle at Daddy Dreamcast is available. Just uh, right. to see. You nice one. Thank you. Right. That'll be in mind before the end of this <laughs> podcast. Anyway, back on track. Um, Thank you, Andrew. Yes, uh, so my thing to be thankful for in the Dreamcast community or in the Dreamcast world in the year of our Lord 2020 is um, really just to, to say a massive thanks and pay homage to the um, amazing work of two particular individuals from the Dreamcast community. They are Megavolt85 and uh, YZB, who are quite prominent people on the Dreamcast Talk forums. And uh, they are responsible for basically dragging the Atomis wave from the brink of obscurity back into the, the public eye or the, the, the sort of the mainstream Dreamcast community's eye um, by allowing Dreamcast hardware to play Atomis wave games. And uh, this is quite a recent development at the time of this uh, recording. Uh, in the last like month, month and a half, um, they basically steamed back onto the scene by you know showing that Atomis Wave games, Atomis Wave for those people who don't know, is an arcade platform uh, developed by Sammy, and uh, it's sort of in the twilight years of the Dreamcast's life uh, and released after the Dreamcast had actually been 
discontinued uh, and used quite a lot of similar hardware to the Dreamcast and it's quite similar in a lot of ways to the Naomi as well. Um, and this thing kind of took the arcades by storm after the Dreamcast had already kind of sunsetted. Um, and since then, it's been almost like one of these kind of uh, holy grails of people who are into the, the arcade collecting scene or into like obscure video games uh, because they've never been able to be played on actual hardware unless you've got an Atomis Wave. The, uh, the emulation scene has been quite spotty. Um, but thanks to these two guys, Megavolt, sorry, I say guys, these two people, I don't know what their sort of sex or gender is, Megavolt85 or YZB, they've actually brought this back into the fore and now through the power of technology, internet, research, their hard work, we can literally download Dreamcast game, uh, sorry, Atomis Wave games and play them on an actual Dreamcast. And for me, that is just unbelievable. Some of these games I never thought I'd play. Things like Dolphin Blue, you know, these really like kind of help these games that were held aloft as like the pinnacles of arcade gaming of that time. To be able to play them on a Dreamcast now through the magic of the hard, in, hard work and engineering and ingenuity is just something I never thought I'd see. Um, so yeah, that, that is my um, moment or thing that has just kind of blown me away this year to be able to play Atomis Wave games. And it's not like they've released like two or three. They're literally going through the entire library and releasing them week upon week. Oh, there's a new game out. There's a new game. There's a new game. And you can... Why you can't put them on a disc just yet? I mean, some of them have got CDI images, but the vast majority of them are GD images. So you can only put them onto some kind of like physical media, like an SD card or a, um, onto one of your um, sort of solid state drives and play them that way through Dreamshell. But the fact that you can actually play them on a TV with a Dreamcast controller is just... If you told me this like two years ago or whatever, I'd have been like, no way. But they've done it, and it's just absolutely mind-blowingly awesome. Um, I think uh, I saw a tweet from Frank Cifaldi, who's the guy who runs the video game museum. Um, it's, a, it's a big sort of concern in video game preservation. But he said, you know, and I, I agree and echo what he said, that people need to understand how big of a deal this is for like video game preservation going forward. Um, mm. it's, it's just unbelievable that they've managed to do it. And it just shows all the little kind of hidden facets of the Dreamcast that... You know, the average, and I'm not trying to be elitist here, but the average Dreamcast gamer or fan didn't really know about to suddenly be able to experience these these titles is just. I, I mean, keep using I, the I term, phenomenal. Pretty hardcore, and yeah. I'd never, I, I'd never heard of of these until I saw the obviously the buzz around them recently, and immediately maybe want to go out and play because some of the racing games look outstanding as well. They don't even look like sort of. You know, okay games. They look absolutely brilliant. Mm. Yeah, the um, one, the, the main one, which is faster than speed, which is a kind of like a, a, a almost like an homage to. No, I, I, I spin that round. Need for Speed Underground is an homage to that because that obviously came out first. But it's basically like an underground street racing game, and I, I played it, you know, on the Dreamcast itself via the Atomic Wave emulation, and it's so good. <laughs> it's really fantastic. It's a really fantastic, fully fledged arcade racing game, and it, it's just like a triple A by Sega game that you would expect to buy in a shop and play on it on you know on retail hardware it's just it's just brilliant it's really really cool isn't there a sequel to like a spiritual sequel to dynamite cop as well yeah it's, it's not a, it's not a sequel it's a it's ah. very much a spiritual sequel mm. um demolish fist yeah demolish mm. fist 
is a, a crazy uh, side scroll and beat em up. I think someone um, on Twitter described it as Streets of Rage meets Dynamite Cop, and that is the perfect, um, perfect example of what the game is. It's just literally insane in bits, but actually plays really well, and it just shows um, exactly what what Tom has said. Um, the, the quality of the games graphically um, is is amazing. Um, they're all pretty much what you'd expect from a top tier Dreamcast game, um, and for them, for them to be, you know, twenty years after Dreamcast uh, died, as it were, or nearly twenty years, um, to have new games which were proper retail games come to the Dreamcast and be fully playable is a bit uh, it's a bit crazy. Especially when you've got King of yeah. Fighters, King of Fighters uh, Nine. I don't know what King of Fighters is now. I can't remember what the name of it is, but um, One X, yeah, King of nine, Fighters, yeah. amazing, amazing games. It's like it's like breaking into the tomb of like some like kind of dead pharaoh and like thinking you've found everything and then suddenly yeah. there's like an extra door and you're like oh let's see what's behind that door and there's like this yeah. massive hoard of gold and you're like whoa there's even more stuff you know it, the thing is as well is it's, it, only the Dreamcast could do this I mean yeah. every other console we've had we've had you know you have these things come out you know you have new games come out on consoles but only the Dreamcast seems to have this just history of twenty years of just crazy things I'm still getting over the fact you can play scum VM games. On the Dreamcast, fully playable. So, if they put in click adventures from the nineties, fully playable on Dreamcast. No one ever talks about it. Crazy. I think because it's... the amount of stuff you can do on the console is just is it is a little bit mind blowing to be honest. I think it's worth saying at this point as well. One last kind of final addendum to this whole thing is that um, it's just been kind of revealed via like various YouTubers that uh, not only are Dreamcast games fully playable on Xbox Series X through the uh, developer mode, but also on the back of this research that's been done by these two guys on uh, on Dreamcast Talk, the Thomas Wave games are also now playable on Xbox Series X. So this has wider implications, not just for the Dreamcast community, but for gaming and emulation, um, you know, in the in the wider sense. So yeah, that's um, I think I've waxed lyrical enough about this, but it's just just amazing. That's, that is, yeah, that's seriously amazing. And the the last bit there that you've you've kind of pointed out is is fantastic. I mean, ju- you know, just think, you know, like twenty years ago, there was uh, Sega, kind of almost uh, not pleading as such, but kind of going to Microsoft and saying, "Hey, can can you play Dreamcast games on the Xbox? Mm. You know, that'd be great if people could do that or something like that." And twenty years later, the ability to actually play Dream proper full Dreamcast games on an Xbox console, yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, pretty damn cool. Um, but Thomas Wave itself, it's absolutely fantastic because, you know, a whole raft of new games that we wouldn't have even thought about five, ten years ago just you know, dropped on the console. And it's yeah. cool. I mean, it's especially cool because we've had this ribbon under the um, the main Dreamcast Junkyard header for, for several years now where um, Ross and Scott, two of our writers, who are, like, really, like, really knowledgeable about the Naomi and the arcade scene, created this kind of whole series of... Um, extra articles about um, expanding the Dreamcast collection, so how the Dreamcast relates to Naomi and the Thomas Wave games, and there's a whole series on there. People are listening, go to the Dreamcast Junkyard blog on the desktop version, you'll see it. It's underneath the header, this orange banner, um, and for them, you know, for, for, for that to have been there and then for this to have happened, it truly is expanding the Dreamcast collection. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's anything else out there? Is, is, is this it in terms of what we can expect from... Oh. Undoubtedly, I think maybe we, we might even get stuff like... I mean, I know that Model 3 emulation is, is kind of forging ahead on the Dreamcast, mm-hmm. so we might okay. see things like the um, the original and, and best version, in my opinion, of 
um, the uh, Star Wars uh, trilogy or Star Wars episode yes. one racer stuff coming to the Dreamcast. That would be absolutely amazing being able to play it actual on, on Dreamcast hardware. So, you know, the sky's the limit. These guys are really, really intelligent. They know what they're doing. Way more advanced and uh, not advanced, but like way more kind of uh, just knowledgeable and and, and 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 clever with this kind of stuff than I could ever be. So, uh, you know, I, I, I just I look at them with admiration and, and just awe. Amazing. Amazing. Um, before we move on to the next person then, as we're going to do this for each person, uh, just let me know, Tom, what is your favourite Dreamcast musical track? And we're going to play it for you. Okay, cool. So um, if anybody listened to uh, the Winterfest back in, was it 2018, Mike, when myself and you so, took, yeah. the, uh, took the reins? Uh, you'll already be familiar with this one. Uh, but uh, my favourite Dreamcast track hasn't changed since then. And it is uh, Jack's theme from the amazing Headhunter.
You're listening to Winterfest 2020. For our full programming schedule, check out radiosega.net. Our next victim, I don't know what to call you, uh, is James. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Uh, what is your thing to be thankful for uh, in 2020? My thing to be thankful for as a Dreamcast gamer in 2020 was, and I had to narrow it down, but it was probably the release... Um, or the reverse engineering that happened on a uh, an obscure Japanese Dreamcast game, which was brought back online uh, back in the summer, um, mid-lockdown, um, Mobile Suit Gundam Federation versus Xeon and DX, mm. to give it its full title. Um, as most people know, I do... I do quite a lot of online gaming on Dreamcast via the wonder of DreamPie. We've had a whole pod around um, talking about how that has come to be um, this year as well. Um, but it still amazes me how there's always, we're talking about how there's always something happening on Dreamcast. There's always something new coming out when you, you least expect it. I mean, we've seen this year a an unreleased Dreamcast game um, uh, get released and Get, I would say back online, but it was actually never online in the first place because it was never released, but now it's been out. This is the internet game pack that you can now play online as well. Oh, yeah. um, but the, the the Gundam game that came out was interesting because it being a, a Japanese exclusive, it came out quite late in the Dreamcast's um, life cycle. I think it was out in 2002. Um, it was... Um, uh, obviously, like I said, a Japanese exclusive, so it was never available uh, to play online anywhere else. It was also the last ever Dreamcast game with online functionality that was released. Um, so to have it available to play now online as well is is one thing. I mean, it's always nice to have games available to play online. I can't say they're all a delight to play online. Um, but Gundam is is superb. I, I went into it having never really played mech games before, never really considered it a big sort of um uh, interest interesting genre for me but um i went into it because i'll try any 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 um uh, dreamcast game that's been been brought back online um and it's it's super fast paced um there's very little in the way of lag or what lag is there you very quickly learn how to play around um the way they've set the game up to allow um really quick rounds so it's you know the action's coming at you thick and fast um and it's just remarkable what the the job that the guys the team have been able to achieve to to bring this back online um even so far as improving the experience i mean it's a 2v2 um sort of battle arena type game um which never had you could never play the game unless you had four people sort of logged in and, and it would connect you together and they've actually managed to reverse engineer it where they've kind of changed it so that you can have you know uh, 1v1 or 2v2 as well they've kind of made it where the the additional mech is uh, taken over by ai which is just it's just wow. bonkers how they they're able to do this stuff um so i wrote a quick article on this back in um as i said back in the summer and I played it to death. It was for about a month or two. I was literally playing every night, uh, which is how how much how addicted I got to it. Um, friend of the show, PC Wizard, I'm sure will will have better stats than this. But I'm not sure that if there's been any more year, any more productive year for online Dreamcast gaming as there has been in the last uh, the last twelve months, probably the last two years actually. But the amount of new games that have been sort of resurrected or rather old games that have been resurrected to play online has been incredible. And I think there's still a lot of people that don't really um, 
don't understand that you can still play all the games you used to play back in the day online um the same same as if you would go and turn your xbox on and play call of duty um I so, think as well, yeah, as really well James, in, in some cases, there's probably more people playing those games than there are oh, modern games. With, and... Without a doubt, I would, in fact, Tom, I would say for them, with probably Fantasy Star being the exception, I would say most of the other games, um, there's been an infinite amount more people playing concurrently and um, uh, and, and total um, since since they released. Maybe Choo Choo Rocket as well is the other exception. But, mm. you know, things like Monaco Grand Prix, for example, which was a really obscure PAL-only release, the online version I'm talking about now, PAL-only on, uh, ver- uh, release version that came out late in the, again, in the Dreamcast life cycle, I would very much doubt there was ever more than like two or three play in that game um, online at the same time. Um, and probably the same with Gundam. I don't know how how um what the uptake was like for online play in japan um in the early 2000s um but i very probably never know there's probably no no way of actually knowing how few people actually played those games online at the time yeah but i mean just look at the leaderboard now so the the top sort of four people um have played 110 games 122 games 227 and 238 so um there's been a hell of a lot of people playing games this year on um, on Gundam, and as I said, I would very much doubt there was uh, ever more than this uh, yeah. back in the day. It's probably safe to say that there's a lot of these games are now enjoying almost the best uptake in terms of online players that they've ever had in 2020. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And now you've got things like um, Dreamcast Live, Dreamcast Now, where you can see other people online and what they're playing, which is, you know, would have been a pipe dream back in 99 and 2000. Um, but yeah, back on the point, Gundam, it's it's a very unique release or re-release for, um, uh, for, for, for Dreamcast just because it's such an obscure game, Japanese only, um, huge language barriers. But um, once you know where you're clicking, you kind of get into it quite quickly. And it was uh, it was quite an exciting one for, for me to get stuck into this year. Excellent, excellent. Um, I mean, you said there's uh, been a lot of games that have been back online in the last couple of years. Are there any left that haven't been brought back yet that they're still working on? Yeah, there's there's still a few. Um, I mean, there's quite a few with leaderboards that are um, are still kind of uh, still being requested. But I think the the three most popular ones that people constantly are asking about, which I know, um, which I know the guys are working on. But the, you know, this this stuff is like literally going in blind to try and figure out. But um, Speed Devils Online is one that gets asked about a lot. Um, Out Trigger and Bomberman Online are probably the top three. Um, there's, there are a few others, but most of them are just leaderboards, to be honest, left that haven't been done. Um, I think the only other one um, that, that hasn't been done is things like Daytona USA, um, the, the, the American version, the PAL version didn't have uh, online. Um, and Unreal Tournament, I think, is the other one that, that that's not back online. But apart from that... Um, I mean, you can go on to the Dreamcast Live website and see all the games that are online, but we're literally into the 20s now, if not more than that. Um, it's it's pretty staggering. So, um, and, and the other thing, just to add before we shut up about it, is that, you know, don't forget, Dreamcast, uh, Sega marketed the online functionality of the Dreamcast by using the old up to 6 billion players strap line which they then got sort of told off for because of the whole you could only play with people in europe you could only play with people in uh, in america or in japan depending mm. on what region you were in and obviously that's 
that's all been broken down now as well. So you can you can play all these games, whether you're playing on a PAL version or an NTSC version, you can play them all against people from all across the world, which again is just um, is remarkable, really. Q, yeah, Q really, Sega really firing great. up the uh, factories to create six billion Dreamcasts to actually make good on that promise. <laughs> if, one day, go, one day. Do you know, I would go so far as to say if Sega reproduced, remanufactured the Dreamcast, they'd sell more now than they Probably, did yeah. back in the day. <laughs> mm-hmm. More than likely, absolutely, yeah. Um, one one last question before I kind of go on to your music choice, but there's something that came to my mind, and I feel like maybe we've talked about this before, but I can't quite recall. There's a feature on, and, and this is kind of now, but there's a feature on PlayStation 4, um, which is that you can play um, couch co-op games with people online through their service. So, you know, if you've got, like, I don't know, uh, Dead or Alive 5, which, you know, and you don't, or, or something that d- doesn't have online play, Dead or Alive 5 does. So, but, you know, something doesn't have online play, but has two player aspect to it. On PlayStation 4, you can play that with somebody else. So you could sit and have a two player battle of something. Do you think that's something that's possible for the Dreamcast to ever do with some kind of technical wizardry to bring these non online games online yeah. somehow? It's definitely possible. I mean, with um, as long as there's local multiplayer, there is a way you can do it. I mean, I remember way back in the day, there was a lot of work done on the GameCube uh, with a service called SmartPipe to basically um, do exactly that with games like Mario Kart Double Dash, which had no online functionality. There was a way that you could um, over basically by tricking your... Um, uh, your 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 setup to think it's just in a, a sort of a um, a local area network, but it's actually playing with another machine that's somewhere else. So, um, yeah, I don't see why not. Um, but I mean, I'm no technical wizard, so um, it's it's certainly beyond my uh, my pay grade. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, all right, James, what is your musical choice for today? My musical choice, um, rather predictably, no, it's not some 1950s cooking show, although the music would certainly not be out of place uh, if you were to uh, run it on a show uh, like that. But it is, of course, from the wonderful Spirit of Speed, which I will be diving into in great detail over 10 glorious pages of the Dreamcast Years 2 book coming out. Uh, for context to people who don't know James, there was no irony in anything you just said. <laughs> oh, let's listen, shall we?
You're locked in to Radio Sega's Winterfest 2020. Snow, shows, and Sega all weekend long. Okay, well, thanks for that, James. So moving on, next person on my list is Mike. Mike, what are you thankful for in 2020? Yes, so I think as two choices have already shown, we have got a lot going on Dreamcast this year. Um, And my choice is a more traditional um, addition that we have every year, which is more indie games. Um, So far this year, we have received three retail indie releases. Um, And I think we have another one definitely come in this year, uh, possibly some more. Mm -hmm. But uh, the three we've had, um, I'm, I'm grateful for. Um, I've done, I think I've done reviews for all three on Junk Card this year. I have a, I'm trying to remember. I think I've done all three this year. And uh, I think that of those three, we've received the best independent game ever on Dreamcast, which mm. is Xeno Crisis. Um, I think it was a, a fantastic game, which is very popular on other platforms as well. Uh, the Mega Drive version, which is the original version, but also on Game Pass on the Xbox um i've i've played it on that quite a bit and lots of other consoles that it's appeared on including the evercade which was a fantastic double pack with tanglewood um which is is plays absolutely superbly um so i'm really grateful that's arrived and we've had another great game to add to the indie collection Uh, we've also had a game called flea which was a bit of a an odd one really it sort of appeared in our in our in our messages on twitter one day from the developer saying he had this this game uh, originally a nintendo um 8-bit platformer uh, he they were making to release as a cartridge i think it was kickstarted and they made a dreamcast version as every reputable indie developer should do <laughs> um and actually although it's extremely simple i mean it's it's very very simple um, it's actually really good fun um sort of a precision uh, based platform game but lots of really good humor um really cool little game and it's it's it was a, a, a welcome surprise to add to the collection this year um, we've also received um, arcade racing legends which is a game from Josh Pod. It was a Kickstarter uh, last year. Um, my review of that is on the uh, blog at the current time. Um, I wasn't enamoured massively with the game, um, as I think people may know if they've read the review. Mm-hmm. But um, it's still fantastic to get another addition to the indie library. Um, and I think, as well as that, the 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 upcoming calendar is is really quite quite something. I've said this several times on Twitter. Um, and I, I still really can't quite wrap my head around the fact that we actually have 13 games confirmed that are, are finished and are in production to come to the Dreamcast within the next two months. Wow. That's 13 new games. We are fast approaching 100 independent retail releases for the Dreamcast. Um, that's more than I would probably say half of the consoles ever released had in their entire lives. Yeah, um, It's really quite something uh the games we've got coming are a massive range but the fact that this year we've had three interesting titles to add to the library um and in one case a game which which really does in my opinion um top the pile of of what we've received so far i'm not sure if any of you've played xena crisis i know know tom's played xena crisis um but it's it's really just incredibly good fun and, and a reason to to bring out the the twin sticks 
which, to be fair, probably didn't get much use in anybody's Dreamcast collection before this year. Mm. Um, it's it's properly good fun and just really good. I know, obviously, the developers are friends of the Junkyard. Mm-hmm. I just want to interrupt here, Mike, before yeah. Tom tells us a story about how they used his twin sticks to... to <laughs> <that's> just... <laughs> What, me? Um, I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> I just want to, uh, just on the, um, uh, I totally agree with you. I think it's amazing that these new games are still coming out. And I just wanted to pick up on the Arcade Racing Legends release from Josh Prod. And just, you know, whilst the game might not be the most amazing experience, I think I have to call out how amazing the the the, the packaging and the unboxing experiences with uh, with a Josh Prod game. I mean, to the untrained eye, this could be a game that was, you know on the shelves in 99 in 2000 and the boxes they use the pal boxes which is just so to me that that's part of the experience is part of the nostalgia for us as as uk gamers is opening that case for the first time and the corner tab rips off and uh all of a sudden you've got a case that doesn't close properly anymore like all your other (laughs) but all jokes aside do you know if they produce these or are they all recycled cases do you you know what the story is with those i think i think the question we received several times i don't actually know i I presume they've made a mold but tom may have an answer for us now daddy gene cast (laughs) gather around children gather around it's gonna be like it's gonna be like games master Daddy, how do they make these boxes for the new release? I don't have I don't have a definitive answer to this, but I have done extensive research into the quality of the plastics used for these boxes. <laughs> I believe, I firmly believe that they have actually remolded these cases, yeah. or they've got a mold from somewhere and they're making their own new cases because. The uh, another game that came out uh, in the recent past, which is a um, a game that didn't actually come to the Dreamcast originally, which is Fade to Black, does come in a fairly authentic PAL Dreamcast case. And if you just if you if you look closely at the plastic, it's just not quite the same. So I, I think that they've um, somehow managed to get molds from somewhere and are producing their own. So. They must have done. I mean, yeah. looking at the back of this box now for Arcade Racing Legends, mine is, is, is there's 3,000 copies. So, I mean, I can't see how they're going to source 3,000 Dreamcast yeah. that aren't broken. Let yeah, alone. unless they're on eBay just buying like copies of like Toy Racer and Choo Choo Rocket to get the cases. <laughs> but no, I, I think, I generally think, I genuinely think they, they, they've, they've made them specifically. They must do, I mean, they, they charge quite a premium for these games. So, it would make sense that they do. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think I think going on. I think exactly what James exactly what he said. I haven't ripped apart the game at all in my review, but I've, I've said it as it is. The game is disappointing in many ways. The one of the great things with Josh brought is that it's a great foundation, um, and the professionalism that the, the company has in what they've they've done with their games and how professional the games look um, is a really plus point for me. Mm. Um, the game is uh, is actually the engine is 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 really quite impressive. And what they've done for their first, I think it's their first game they've actually made as well. Maybe I'm wrong there, but I think it's one of the first games, at least the first Dreamcast game they've made themselves without porting. And the engine actually works really well. It runs really smoothly and it plays, it actually has the, the gameplay feel, the driving feel, which I know was a big issue for us and we thought was the big issue when we played the, the early releases. Mm. You've actually got it a lot better. So I think actually in a couple of years' time when we see Arcade Racing Legends 2, which I hope they do do, um, I think actually it could be a really, really fantastic game. Mm. Um, but yeah. it, it, we've had this, you know, we've had games for for 12, 13, 14 years now, which haven't been the greatest games ever. Some of the shooting games that we've had, or some of the shmups on the Dreamcast, haven't been the greatest games. I mean, you know, if we're 
dispassionately sort of looking at them and not just saying, oh, they're Dreamcast independent games, they're fantastic. They haven't been brilliant. I know Ross is a, is a massive um, fan of, of saying as it is. And mm. Ross has always said, you know, some of the games, they haven't been great. Some of the shooters we've had in the past, things like Ducks, they haven't been the greatest shooters. Mm. But we've always yeah. supported them because they've been helping you know, help the scene. Um, and I think that that's always great. And the fact that they have got these great, if we didn't have developers do this kind of stuff and, and have had misfires and haven't done it 100% correct, we wouldn't have developers like Bitmap Bureau doing Zero Crisis. Totally it has agree. to be has to be that that fundamental level. And I think the the next eight games that um, Josh Pod have coming out very early next year, there are some some really really amazing games uh, on the agenda, and I think we have some fantastic other games coming out. Xeno uh, Cider is very close to um, being released. It's gone gold, I believe. Yeah, it has indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think both myself and Tom have played the full version now. Um, that is something which to look forward to the review because that is going to be very really special indeed. Uh, but also you've got Intrepid Izzy, which is looking fantastic. Oh, yeah. mm. uh, and there's just, there's just loads of new games coming out for the Dreamcast. And I think it really does. I said in my review for Arcade Racing Legends that it feels less like a nostalgic, retrospective website, Dreamcast Junkyard at the current time, and more like we are covering a, a current-gen console. It's, and that, um, it's that's, yeah, and that's, to me, that's, I mean, I, you, you mentioned that. I, I'm really pleased that they are, there's a lot more diversity now with, with indie releases um you know it's not just shoot them up after shoot them up after shoot them up after shoot them up it's not yep. just th- 2d ported platformers or whatever that could be run on anything and i think you know th- there there is something to be said about playing a game that feels like it was a game that came out and pushed the dreamcast to the limits at some point you know hot you know bad 3d polygons and stuff you, you kind of you want that experience because otherwise i'm going to look at it and think well i could play this this version of this game on my sure. xbox or whatever mm-hmm. and yeah. i think that's the one thing i'll give arcade legend uh, race legends credit for is um as you said it's it's certainly not perfect but it's um it's uh, it does a good job of feeling like a dreamcast game there's a, there's a kind of a almost like an evolution i remember a couple of years back maybe maybe sort of eight seven eight years ago it was like oh this 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 game's gonna have a, a dreamcast part it was kind of like a like a novelty and now as mike said we're getting so many new games coming out which are literally on a par with stuff that you would get on like the switch yeah. it's like we're kind of spoiled for choice you know the crazy thing is i think yeah. zero crisis launched in june-ish i think june time um within 18 months of that release so christmas next year we could have 25 new dreamcast games that's and if you if you include atomus wave games as well you're looking at nearly 50 games coming to dreamcast <laughs> in a year mad. and a half i mean i don't i don't think well, I know some consoles have got less than that in their entire lifetime. And that's double the Virtual Boy worldwide library. I tell you, Jaguar. <laughs> crazy. I tell you, Jaguar. You jag- the Jaguar, the can't play Jaguar, Tom. You know you can't play Jaguar. Um, but it's, it's crazy. It, it is, it's amazing. And I think, you know, even though even though some of the games haven't done quite right and some of the games haven't played quite as well as we'd like to, um, it's we are here to support. Uh, the, they're, they're here to support the scene. They'll keep on supporting the scene. And eventually um, we will get... Uh, some fantastic gems amongst amongst the uh, the releases we have. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I'm definitely looking forward to the potential of an arcade racing legends two. That from your review, it sounds like that a uh, an iteration on on that would make it perfect. So hopefully yeah. that's what they do. And um, also, if Josh Potter listening, you're really missing a trick here because if you've got a mold for Dreamcast cases, just sell cases. Yeah. Like, 
sell cases on your site totally. so many people would buy them like i've got so many cases to replace and they're so impossible to find and while you're just... at it make a dreamcast console mold as yes well, i was gonna say cells, that please yeah. do that as there well yeah. <laughs> without without charging 200 quid for it yeah yeah and since we've come up with the idea for you here on the dream pod just send us a few our way yeah. it'd be great yeah. <laughs> My... we'll, we'll, we'll review them yeah we will we'll review them and use them yeah, just Definitely. put them on our shelf and then uh, yeah, yeah. Just, that'll be our review. Yeah, I'll review it now. I'll review it now. You can put it on the packet. Ten out of ten would buy. <laughs> get it on the packet. Get them in production. <laughs> James has got like a case of fifty coming his way now for that. And whilst we're adding random stuff to Josh Pod to do, uh, they've already released one game <laughs> from Bitmap Brothers. Uh, if they can release Chaos Engine um, on on the Dreamcast, not only will I buy four thousand copies, um, I also will literally sell my soul to Josh Pod. Heard it here first. Uh, Mike is going to be bankrupt if that happens. Every game, ten out of ten. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, a, like a YouTuber. 10 on the box, on the box, ten out of ten. Ten out of ten, hundred percent, ten out of ten. Mike, what's yes. uh, what's your choice of song for today? Yes, so a little bit like Tom, I'm going back to when we were last on the Winterfest uh, doing our musical choice, or the, the first time we were on, on Winterfest. Um, and that is a, a completely random song. It is level one of Gigawing, the fantastic uh, shooter from Capcom, um, because it is the greatest song ever made in any video game ever. Radio Sega's Winterfest 2020. Oh, well, thank you, Mike. Uh, that was an experience. Um, all right. Well, I'd normally go to Lewis here, but Lewis did ask me to come to him last. So I'm going to go to myself next. Um, so, and the thing I'm thankful for, and, and I feel like, like a, a class A idiot for saying it, but I'm very thankful for Dreamcast Year 1 and Dreamcast Year 2. What's that? Um, I'm not familiar. What, what is this? No, you're it's not. Book. It's a book. <laughs> it's a, I wrote a book. I did. What? No. <laughs> Where is that not a cup before? No Forward way. by Daddy Dreamcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's totally going in the book now. Um, <laughs> there's no escaping it. 
So we need to get a hashtag Daddy Dreamcast trending on Twitter, I think, by the end of the really show. Really do. Really do. Have have you got the Twitter handle yet, Tom? Is that something you've been No, Bernie for? Stoller beat me to it, apparently. I'm just looking <laughs> <at that. laughs> oh, Bernie. Um so yeah, this this for me, 2020 has been the year. So 2019 kind of started my journey with the book and uh, and kind of doing the uh, the fundraising for the first book. But uh, 2020, I finished the book in January. It was out to backers, printed now February time, uh, just in time for lockdown number one in March, which was great. So who that happened? The book was out. I got some pretty good reviews for it, so I was really happy about that. And um, and then I did the Kickstarter for to in um in august uh, and that is now a thing that is happening and is currently being written and images are being made for it and it's it's a go basically and i think that for me it's it's been like the culmination of my journey on in the for the dreamcast i mean i've you know i've had a dreamcast since i was 16 since 2000 and you know 20 years later uh, here i am um on DreamPod, one thing which I never thought would happen, um, and also uh, writing two books about the Dreamcast. The, the the thing for me, the thing that I'm thankful for the most is that you know it's it's brought me into this community of people that I just you know I, I was on the outskirts of for a while, and you know I'd follow things like the Dreamcast Junkyard, and I'd read news, and I'd you know keep up to date with bits and bobs that were going on, but through through writing the book and everything i've i've managed to find a community that's brilliant and uh, be a part of it which you know i'm really thankful for um i'm very happy that i get to do another book and very happy that you guys are doing it with me as well which is very awesome just just from my point of view i mean um obviously the book is what kind of brought us together as you know as friends as we are now because mm-hmm. i remember when you came to me and sort of asked me kind of out of the blue if i would be interviewed and i was like well, somebody wants to interview me. <laughs> I, I, I'm used to interviewing other people, but you know the fact that somebody's come to me and asked, you know, and deemed me to be important enough to be interviewed alongside people like, um, you know, the staff of the official Dreamcast magazine, Bernie Stolar, obviously himself, and um, all these people that I considered to be, as I've said, like luminaries in the in the in the, in the lifespan of the Dreamcast. Um, was I felt it was a massive honour, you know. I'm, I'm not going to beat around the bush here. It was, it was, it took totally took me by surprise. And obviously, through that book, we've now become you know firm friends, and we're on a podcast together, and we chat about stuff that's not even to do with the Dreamcast, you know, pretty much every day. So it's almost become you know, it, even though that is a the thing that you're thankful for, that the Kickstarter and the book, and a, a lot of you know thousands of people have, have enjoyed this book, and will hopefully enjoy Dreamcast Year Two. I'm kind of thankful that it's kind of it's brought you into my life, kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? As a friend, as well as like a colleague. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I share the thanks. If that makes sense, oh. without getting too it's, kind it's, of mushy and. <laughs> well, yeah, very mushy. I'm kind of it's me now doing the hand wavy thing to dry the tears from the eyes. It's 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 very true. I think that's um, that's definitely. I think that's the biggest part of it. I mean, you know, we've got this little whatsapp group that we chat in and and chat outside of as well with each other and i wouldn't be part of that at all uh if it weren't for the book and um yeah i'm very thankful that that's brought me to all of you guys because you're all awesome um so let's you go. see let's see if you're all thankful when you're on page nine of of my 10 page right <laughs> true i mean yeah I look it sounds pretty awesome, though. To be fair, do thinking. you want to tell? Do you want to tell everyone the uh, the history of how that came about, uh, Andrew? The the ten page spread on Spirit of Speed. Is it actually ten page? Is it actually ten pages? Are you joking? Yeah, it's actually ten pages. Oh yeah. my god! And and I've actually <laughs> planned all these out as well. And I've he got has. 
you know, there, there is going to be some exclusive content which is never seen before. Not because nobody played the game, ha ha ha, <laughs> but we've actually got some uh, some exclusive artwork and renders and stuff from the developers that worked on the game which have never been seen before. So, and some tracks that never made the final game. Um, so, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it now. Do you, know, but, uh, it... Yeah, do you wanna do you wanna give us the uh, give us the quick uh, hilarious way that this came about? Before so, you do, so Andrew, I... before you do, Andrew, oh, can I just I just want to let people listen into like a little kind of glimpse behind the curtain a couple of years ago when i was it's sort of in in the um in the in the sort of a heyday of my kind of investigating lesser known dreamcast games and trying to find interviews with the people who made them um mainly because pc wizard was kind of just sending me constant emails going oh found this guy's email do you want to interview him i'm like yeah okay i'll send him an email and they get back and we do an interview um the guys who made Spirit of Speed or the creative director was one of these people that PC Wizard kind of found somehow, sent me his details and said, oh, get in touch with him. I know you talk about Spirit of Speed quite often on the on the podcast, um, get an interview with him and talk about the game. So I sent him this email and he replied to, yeah, that, that'd be great. We'd, we'd love to you know, do an interview or I'd love to do an interview about the game. So I responded to him, just so you know, it might be a little bit negative and I want to talk about how the game is... Not, it's like the butt of many jokes, and they're seen as a bit shit, basically. <laughs> Sorry, I'm allowed to swear or you know, bleed that out. Um, but he never responded, he ghosted me. <laughs> he must have been gobsmacked when James messaged him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah. oh my god, someone likes just, my game. You just know, his, you just know his, his LinkedIn page, just literally the developer of Spirit of Speed. Just, it tells everyone, everyone he sees just goes along to. I made Spirit of Speed. He thinks it's a wool. He thinks it's a wool known product. When Tom did that message, he basically just destroyed his life. <laughs> I'm, ex- I'm excited, e- even if it is a, a not a highly regarded game. Any Dreamcast oh, yeah, game course, where you yeah. can get stuff that you've not seen before is is pretty cool. So yes, yeah, James's love of the game has paid off. I guess, yes, indeed. Is... I jest, but obviously I'm I'm obviously uh, also very intrigued and excited yeah. to see what you come up with, James. Yeah, well, you're not allowed to read it. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you rip those pages out when you when you send them. (laughs) It does have great flags as well. The game, just to to point out. Oh, I mentioned the flags. Oh, good. Don't you remember that, Michael? (laughs) Michael. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, the 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 reason this came about, this was I was doing a stream for the beginning of the campaign, I believe. I I think that was what was happening. And um, James, you were in the stream, and you were basically kind of. You were almost you were basically modding for me, weren't you? And I, 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 do you know what? I can't remember exactly how it came about, but I remember it was something to do with if you can get me this many people or or get this much. It was it was you were we, we were getting close to the um to the target, and right. um you were playing Shemu, which I was berating from a distance quite frequently before you switched to Resident Evil Co Veronica, uh-huh. um and I said, oh, if we get I forget how much it was. It was like, you know, a significant percentage over what the original goal was. Mm. Uh, and I said, if you get over this much, thinking you'd never get, like, it was literally like, I don't know, 50% more or something like that. Yeah, it was um, crazy. Memo. Then you, you've got to give me 10 pages. Because I was always going to be doing a retrospective on um, Spirit of Speed. So it would have been a one-page retrospective. And I said, if mm-hmm. you get this many, then I, I want 10 pages. And yeah. so Andrew <laughs> thinking it would be a funny safe bet to make live on um, live on stream um, made it and then about three days later the target I think it was close to 200% in the end wasn't it you ended mm-hmm. up getting um, yeah. 
and I didn't actually realize you were being serious until you put it on the Kickstarter as, an ex- as, a, uh, as a stretch goal. I was like, oh, okay, I better start thinking about it. I'm going to fill 10 pages. It was quite an image of like Andrew watching that like thing go up, the, the, the amount of money raised and like a tear just like forming at the side of his eye. <laughs> I, 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 I can just imagine him sat in his office and it's like dead, dead silent in the office. And he sat, he sat there with his like head in his hands on the office, just watching the numbers tick over. And uh-huh. it, 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 the last digit ticks over and he just goes, fuck's sake. You know <laughs> and what, then it, he has to send the email. Like kind of touching on the Spirit of Speed article and the different, the, the new stuff that, that's going to be in there that's perhaps never been seen. We're going to have more of that in year two as well. I mean, you know, Tom has got some interesting stuff for a particular racing game that's going to be interesting as well. Um, we've got, um, I've got somebody called, it's all racing game stuff, actually, weirdly. Um, it's just the Spirit of Speed book. That's just the entire month. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just all Spirit of Speed. Um, but we've got an interview with uh, Mikhail Pointier, <laughs> who um, was one of the developers of the uh, port. Of, well, it's not even a port, but kind of the um, the version of V-Rally 2 on the Dreamcast. And he's kind of sent a bunch of photos of some stuff that he has which is quite interesting um which included some notes that he made when making the game as well so some very cool stuff um along with all the interviews of course and along with all of the retrospectives and um you know i've just uh, just to give you a sample i've just uh, submitted the the story uh, proposal to my editor to make sure it's fine and he's happy with it and um one of the chapters is based all around the five stages of grief so a little bit of a tidbit for you there wow. so there we are wow. um but yeah so i'm hugely thankful for that i think it's uh, it's it's awesome that i've been given the opportunity to to do this and have a little part of the uh, kind of the dreamcast story by releasing that so i'm i'm very happy and uh, very excited for what's to come as well i'm hosting this so i'm just going to ask myself andrew what <laughs> what song have you chosen uh, for Radio Sega's Winterfest 2020. Well, Andrew, uh, glad you asked. I have chosen Mexican Flyer by Ken Woodman and his Piccadilly Brass, uh, which of course is from Space Channel 5.
This is Winterfest 2020. Excellent song. I, you know, that that song is basically Space Channel Five. If it was ever, you know, popular before, I I can't think of any other thing than Space Channel Five when I hear it. It's just it is that game basically. Yeah. Um. Uh. So okay, last person on the list. Uh. On I was going to say Santa's list, but it should be Daddy Dreamcast list. We're going to make this stick. <laughs> um. <laughs> is Lewis. Um. What is the thing that you were thankful for in 2020, Lewis? Overall, I am just thankful for, I suppose, the Dreamcast community as a whole. Um, and I kind of see a lot of this. I'm sure Mike can uh, attest to this as well, because we both take care of the, the DC Junkyard Twitter. It's just uh, amazing considering the whole world this year has just kind of gone into pause almost. And yeah, you know, I can always rely on the fact that if I post some stuff about a game or some stupid meme on that page, there's going to be a load of like really passionate Dreamcast fans who are like, yeah, I get this. And this is kind of a personal thing for me, I suppose, in a way, because, you know, I kind of think back to when I was younger, you know, collecting the Dreamcast back in 2012. And, and even, I suppose, now you just, you don't, I rarely encounter people in, I'm going to say this kind of in a sort of a, sarcastic way that the real world <laughs> you actually know what the dreamcast is you know they they may vaguely know what it is or not know about it at all you know everyone just had playstation 2 uh, or gamecube or whatever um you know the dreamcast kind of died before some people even sort of realized it was a thing and so it's just really nice to to be able to be witness um and obviously this is mainly being part of the junkyard like you know more so than i have been in previous years to just the amount of passion and love for this old console that should have died a death years and years ago. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, sort of in regards to the newer games coming out, like Mike said, it kind of feels like we're almost dealing with a, a current system. Mike's article went up last night for uh, Arcade Racing Legends and the amount of people commenting and, and uh, you know, the amount of likes and people really wanted to hear about this new game has come out on this dead system, supposedly dead. But also just uh, for me as a, as a writer, you know, in January, February, I got really into this mystery about this random game in a, in a picture called uh, Real Racer, um, I think it's IX. Um, mm -hmm. just from the screenshot of this guy at a convention showing off this game he'd created in Japan. And I remember sort of talking about it on Twitter and then PC Wizard comes out of the woodwork. He's investigating it with me. And it's just stuff like that, that kind of camaraderie we all have yeah. over mm -hmm. this system. You know, I'm thinking, I couldn't think in 2012, like I say, when I was, you know, starting to collect this system, I would never have thought I'm going to be online and there's all these, there's, there's going to be another person out there who cares <laughs> about investigating this picture of some guy playing this unreleased game on this dead system. Um, you know, and just other articles I've written as well. Like this year, I wrote 10 times rappers have referenced the Dreamcast in songs. Quite cool was uh, the, the rapper Del the Funky Homo Sapien actually tweeted us the other day. So that was pretty, pretty cool. You know, I'm a massive fan of him. Um, so that was that was really awesome. So um, and also for me, as someone who's always loved the Dreamcast, I've bought so many games for it this year. Some that at the beginning of the year I didn't even know existed, but learning about all these new games. Um, yeah. That's that's the thing I, I love about this community. There's always something new you can learn about the Dreamcast. 
Um, and it's a and, nice community as well. I think compared yeah. to compared to just about any other retro console, um, I think it's maybe the age of it. I think because it's it's sort of a, a modern console still in many people's eyes. It does to me. It always whenever anyone says Dreamcast, it still feels like a modern thing to me. Mm. But the Dreamcast community is so much nicer overall than than pretty much any other retro community. Um, we have our occasional fallouts, but actually it's just it's just really. I think maybe it's because everyone's it's really creative. Everyone seems to be doing something within it. Um, and it's a little bit to me, like it feels a little bit like uh, when I used to be writing for a punk fanzine in terms of the fact that everybody contributes this raid DIY. Everyone sort of either is making articles or they're doing stuff online on, on the Atomus Wave stuff or they're making independent releases or they're contributing to this, contributing to that. It's a really, really uh, strong and creative scene. Mm. I mean, I wonder if it's because the Dreamcast kind of, I suppose, failed. Maybe it's kind of humbled a lot of us, <laughs> you know. It's the first internet console, isn't it? I think it's the, in terms of it was the first console released as part of the, the real popular internet age. Yeah. You know, the PS1 and Saturn, I think, was slightly before that. Dreamcast was the first one. And I say this without any sort of brown nosing to try and, you know, suck up to Tom here, or Daddy Dreamcast as he's now known. <laughs> Um, is the fact that I, I, I genuinely believe Dreamcast Junkyard has played a massive part in that. Um, I remember many, many years ago, probably eight years ago now, Retro Gamer ran an article um, on Dreamcast, a really good article actually, and they referenced Dreamcast Junkyard. And I think it was the only website they referenced which was still actively being updated. That was eight years ago. And I think since that time, we've probably put out several hundred articles, several oh, yeah. episodes of the podcast. It's just the fact that the Dreamcast Junkyard has always been... We talked about earlier on about the fact that our article's a little bit weird and we do some, we cover things that, you know, why are we why are we contemplating covering Christmas trees and Dreamcast games? It's a really bizarre thing that no other site would do. Um, and I think the fact that we do that and it's, it's received really well shows that it's a really different community and a really weird sort of... I, I say weird in a really nice way. The fact that we we don't just cover a review of a game or we just don't, you know, give, give praise to things for the sake of giving praise. We're critical, but we're also really supportive. And it's, it's, yeah, it's a really nice scene to be part of. And I think, I think Tom knows this from when we were, when we were at play Blackpool a couple of years ago. And it, it felt really weird that when we did the Dreamcast Junkyard table, the amount of people that came over to us um, and were just blew, blown away by the fact that there was all these Dreamcasts laid out. And all these people who probably came there to see other consoles or other computers were just enraptured by what we had out there. Um, mm. It's a really popular console, and I think that we definitely play a part in keeping that alive now. 100%. Yeah, and just uh, just to really kind of reiterate what you guys have said, uh, obviously I'm really thankful for everything that everybody else does on the, on the Dreamcast Junkyard, all the enthusiasm and, and passion that is you know poured out from... From not just us, but from the the rest of the community, it's almost like it's like a patchwork, and the Dreamcast Junkyard is a patch in this big blanket that makes up the Dreamcast community. You've got other um, fan sites and other like forums, like I mentioned earlier, you've got Dreamcast Talk. But you've also got all the other different Sega fan sites, like Sega Bits and Sega Nerds, and all the rest of them, all yeah. the different Dreamcast um, fan groups that do amazing work. You know, we've got our own little niche in that we. We, we do our reviews, we do our podcast, 
we do our kind of weird kind of esoteric deep dives like for example lewis's um amazing investigative work into real racer but you've got other sites that are mainly focused on doing reviews or doing um modifications on dreamcast hardware that kind of thing so i think basically the way that it all kind of fits together is that everyone has almost got their own kind of place within it and yeah. because of that and because we're all kind of friends with each other it, it, it's almost like a big like you say mike a big kind of family and we've all we all yep. we all contribute to each other and we all respect each other's work and you've got people like PC Wizard, you've got people like Adam Korolik, um, even people like Dreamcast Guy. I know he doesn't do a lot of Dreamcast stuff on his channel, but his name is Dreamcast Guy, so he brings focus to the Dreamcast through that. And as obviously they've all been on the podcast and we, we all know each other. And it's just, um, yeah, again, without going too mushy, it's just a big community. And I think that's what you're essentially getting at, Lewis, is that it's, um, it's almost like... Um, a big group of friends rather than a big mm. group of strangers, you know, mm -hmm. all brought together yeah. by this one weird little white box that failed to make a mm. massive commercial impact. Yeah. Weird. Weird, isn't it? <laughs> There's still one thing that is missing from the Dreamcast community, though, and that's PC Wizard appearing on a Dreamcast. Yes. Oh, he'll, cut, he'll get on it. I, yes. I, I'll drag him onto this podcast at some point. Maybe yeah. we can get him on the junk, on the drunk pod. On the drunk <laughs> I think you just call him. I think you just call him in the middle of a middle of a podcast and just just say to him, say, "Oh, he's on Skype now. Let's have a look." How you doing? You know, just just get him on there. I mean, I don't think that's illegal. He's in a different country, so I, you know, we can. Let's be honest. It's it's the collaboration everyone wants to see. You know how sometimes when someone owns like a an unreleased game and they they start a GoFundMe to sort of dump the 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 game for people to enjoy. Maybe we need to do the same for getting. I'll do it. PC Wizard on the, uh, I think on the podcast. I want to just say as well, just while we're talking about PC Wizard, and I know this, this again sounds like I'm brain-dozing him, um, but he is genuinely a, a massive part of the Dreamcast scene. Dreamcast Live, Dreamcast Live, obviously, but also just, just the fact that he is constantly talking about Dreamcast, he's promoting Dreamcast stuff. Um, he, he is almost like, uh, I view him as the Dreamcast Junkyard contributor, who's not a member of the junkyard. Yeah. yeah. He's sort of our side ally, as it were. Um, just just really good, you know, and then we've got loads of people like that within the Dreamcast. Oh, yeah, community. like Luke Benstead and people. Yes. You know, yeah. you know, I think at the, at the end of the day, if Tom is the Dreamcast, is Daddy Dreamcast, then <laughs> PC Wizard is Uncle Dreamcast, I think is, <laughs> is uh, how we'll look at it. Oh, very nice. Such a loving, very, very nice. <laughs> well, it's here. Christmas, you know, it's Christmas. Come on, everyone, let's get in, get in, let's have a hug, hug. Have a mint pint, some eggnog. I wish we <laughs> could see our WhatsApp group for context of how, uh, how not warm and fuzzy. Yeah, fuck off, Oh, dear me. Uh, but I think what what's come of us chatting about all this stuff is that, I don't know, I don't know if you're going to agree with me or not, but I don't think there's ever been a better time to be a Dreamcast fan than 2020. It sure, feels like yeah. there's so much stuff. Absolutely, yep. yeah. Unbelievable. And such well, a great I'd community. say arguably 1999, he's on a par with it, you know. <laughs> well, true, true. Um, but, you know, 2020, you have all the games that released bad. in 1999 and then true. more. Yeah. So yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah. It's very good. But yeah, it's it's a, a great scene that we're all a part of. And uh, the people who listen to the pod and who interact with us and stuff, they're all awesome as well. It's always great to hear, you know, that people enjoy listening to the pod or that they've enjoyed one of the articles that's been written or, you know, that we've informed them about something within the scene that they didn't know before. And mm -hmm. it's kind of took them off into that direction to look at it. 
so it's great and uh, so yeah a big thank you to everybody who is listening now and to who, who listens and reads um yeah basically wouldn't be here without them either would we so nope. huge thanks so before i move on Lewis, um there's the small matter of your song choice what have you chosen um i was gonna pick something from shenmue but then i thought my other thing i picked was shenmue related so i'm gonna be a bit different and seeing as how nowadays sega actually owns atlas that kind of makes this even more kind of extra sega related and i'm picking a track from mac and x it's research institute so it's it's from the uh, the, the the first level and it's composed by Shoji Maguro, who is quite famously known for doing the kick-ass songs on Persona. I think if there was ever to be a Jet Set Radio game and Hideki Naganuma had to split the, the, the workload with another composer, it would be Shoji Maguro. He, would, he could do something super cool for Jet Set Radio. But yeah, I love this because it's, it's on the Dreamcast, but this just sounds like it could have been on the, the original Persona that was on PlayStation. It's really dark, and but very cool and industrial at the same time. So yeah, this is my track. of Radio Sega's Winterfest 2020. Cozy down and fest up. Excellent. Very cool. Very good, good choice, choice there. Yeah. All right. So I guess I've got one final question for everybody before we move on uh, to where you can find us if you've been listening to us uh, on the Radio Sega Winterfest 2020 and you've never listened to us before. We'll let you know at the end where you can find us uh, and, uh, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but before that, my final question for everybody. So the Dreamcast Junkyard, as we've said, is known for some crazy out there articles about random stuff that nobody else would really think to do. Um, 
what do we think in terms of 2021 have we got any ideas for articles i think there, there was there's been talk we did um an interview with stefan holmquist and we've got the search for that headhunter banner that was in abbey road studios do you think that's going to be picked up is there any anything else anybody's interested in right now I would like to continue my search for the voice of the Dreamcast lady, uh, the one who does the voiceover. Um, I do have some more leads on that. Um, it's a work in progress. It's it's a it's a big undertaking. This, and I don't want to 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 coin a phrase. I don't want to blow my load too quickly. So I'm going to okay. wait till I've got I some concrete concrete. Mate, this has taken me in some ridiculous directions, and I don't want to spoil any of it. But hopefully in 2021, we will finally discover who the, this is the Dreamcast voice, lady is. Fingers crossed. I hope so. I hope so. And there'll be a Netflix documentary about it as well. Yeah. <laughs> Starring Mike. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as the voiceover. Yeah, yeah. Not far. <laughs> Maybe if you signed off as, as Daddy Dreamcast, she may be a bit warmer and, and the reception to you, mate. Good point. Just give that a try. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Nice one. Yeah. I'll try that. Yeah. We should have that, and we should we should change the if we could only change the 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 message on the on the disc from the message that is now to just Tom <laughs> saying, "I am Daddy Dreamcast." And sort of it's it's sort of a yeah. Like I would love to visit that. What you're about to play is going to be really good. <laughs> <laughs> Don't play it in a stereo because it'll blow your speakers up. <laughs> we need to get Tom to do a recording session, oh, like dear. you know, I'm Dreamcast Daddy. Welcome to yeah. the Dream Pod. Let's get it on to the next one. Independent, um, independent developers, you see, if you want to hit us up for voice work, we're happy to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what about everybody else? What are, we, what are we thinking in terms of articles for next year? Any any thoughts so I, far? I've, I've got a couple of articles. I've got a couple of things planned for next year, um, as people might know. But I've, I've also got a couple of articles planned. Um, one of them is currently at, I'm looking at my screen, 27,000 words. And one is, one is currently at 46,000 words. Um, I'm, I'm doing an article based around um, uh, geography again, because that went down so well last time, <laughs> and an article based on the Olympics. But I've seemed to have gone slightly insane with them. Um, <laughs> slightly? And, that's uh, a lot of words. That's I'm, more than I'm a dissertation, Mike. I'm currently at 96 pages, one of them. Ooh. So uh, I might edit that down. Yeah, um, possibly. Yeah. TLDR has never been uh, <laughs> more appropriate. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just release it in parts like Eldorado Gate. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. James? Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure I will find... Um, some racing game type thing to write about at some point um yeah. but i do i do actually have an article that is in draft and has been since september just as everything else time getting in the way but in my spirit of speed research um i have uh, i mentioned earlier on we've been getting some unseen um sort of sketches and um prototypes and stuff like that um i have also spoken to the, one of the guys one of the artists who did um a lot of that stuff on spirit of speed also worked on soldier of fortune for the dreamcast so um i also have some stuff that i'm not going to give too much away but i have some stuff mm. that's not been or uh, to my knowledge hasn't been published anywhere before that will be um that will be appearing on a junkyard uh near near you sometime in 21 wow excellent uh, Lewis, what about you? Any more investigative journalism up your sleeve? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that that was a uh, a very big undertaking that I'm very proud of. But um, yeah. 
Um, I'm kind of, I suppose I'm sort of cheating a bit here, but I, it's less uh, an article, more a actual podcast that I'd like to do. And that is, I really need, I really, really for quite a while, and I need, you guys need to play the game so we have more people to go on this episode. I want to do a Shenmue 3 actually oh. i need i want us to all talk about it because yes. i think i think there's there's people who don't like shenmue 3 at all i th- thought it felt almost like you know i felt like a shenmue game and i really enjoyed it what i played um so far i'm meaning to get back into it but yeah um i think that'd be a really interesting uh, topic and i'd quite like to i don't know i feel like there's like there's this bigger side to it it's kind of like why don't people like it if in a way it's almost the game that you played on the dreamcast just it looks nicer like what is it that they were wanted from shenmue 3 why do they not like what they got it's a really interesting topic to uh, discuss and debate i think so i'd really like mm. to do that sometime Okay. definitely sounds good you need to nudge me because i started shenmue 3 and then just got kind of waylaid with other games so i would very much like to finish it so yeah, same. feel same. free to prod me <laughs> Will do. awesome um i'm i'm it's 2021 you know i've got a book to write and also i, I feel like one article on the dreamcast junkyard is enough so i'm just gonna think about <laughs> that i'm just gonna... <laughs> I think it's fine be the mysterious person who just did the one article that never came back um so that's uh that's me done but well we'll see we'll see um i may have stuff that i can't fit into the book that may be uh dreamcast junkyard stuff that people we don't want your cast offs i I, I feel bad now because i I definitely didn't mean it is in cast offs i'm I'm joking mate don't worry (laughs) (laughs) just you're all mean to me that's that's the the thing thing i'm learning here today i'm just just submitting the entire twenty-seven thousand word article to you now (laughs) okay Okay. unproved Yeah, you have to proofread it, Andrew. Uh, that's why I've got an editor. I won't have to do it myself. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, that brings us to a close, I think. Um, so thanks very much, Radio Sega, for having us again. It has been a blast. Uh, lovely to speak to you, gents, as well. Mm, right, well. As ever. Um, so going round, uh, let us know where we can find you. Mike, where can people find you if they so wish? Uh, yeah, so I am on Twitter at space underscore turnip. I'm also on Twitter on an account which I'm showing off all of my Dreamcast stuff because I'm I'm very bored. Um, at Dreamcast Picks. That's Dreamcast P I C S. Excellent, uh, James. Where can people find you? Uh, I'm not at Daddy Dreamcast. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Agile Harvey and Twitch at Bang Average Sim Racer. You twitch. I didn't, I didn't know you twitch. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, did not know that. Um, also, I just realised that somebody will have to take the Daddy Dreamcast handle by the end of this because if not, then somebody will just go and take it and yeah. pretend to be Tom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so please do that. Um, Lewis, where can people find you? Um, you can find me at Lewis J F C. That's L E W I S. Yep. Excellent. Uh, Tom, I think you're on a non-Twitter period at the moment, so I guess people can't find you anywhere, right? Well, now. yeah, you can find me at uh, Daddy Dreamcast uh, naturally, and uh, yeah. you can also find me and Mike uh, on Twitter with our own kind of little independent podcast, which is Power Drift Pod, which is a podcast about rally games. We just talk about rally games, you know, retro and current, and it's just a nice little kind of a side thing that we do. So yeah, yeah. check us out. Very good, it is too. 
Very Thank good. Um, you can find me at oddman84 um, and just because uh, you've gone and told people about your pod I'll just say yeah you can also find me at Dreamcasters but you might have heard me anyway uh, with Stephen Rich because we did a Winterfest episode as well mm. um, so thank you for listening to that and um, you can find anything to do with that podcast and also Dreamcast Year 1 and Dreamcast Year 2 on dreamcastyears.co.uk uh, and you can still uh, back a copy if you wish to so please go there and find all the details however you're not here for that you're here for the Dreamcast Junkyard and where can you find that well uh, on Twitter you can find us at the DC Junkyard uh, uh, which is run, as I said earlier, by the wonderful Mike and Lewis. So go say hi to them and uh, like a few of their excellent meme posts. They're always great. Um, you can also find us, of course, at thedreamcastjunkyard.co.uk, where all of the lovely articles we've been mentioning can be found. Uh, we also do have a Facebook group, which is the Dreamcast Junkyard Facebook group. So pop along there if you want to chat to like-minded Dreamcast fans. And we do have a YouTube account as well, which I believe it's also the DC Junkyard. Is that right? Am I thinking correctly? Yeah, if you just type Dreamcast Junkyard into the um, into the search bar, you'll find us. Yeah, that's, uh, exactly. that's uh, run by our good friend uh, James. So, yeah. Yeah, not the James here, different no. James. James too. Um, mm. James too. <laughs> uh, does a great job. He did a lovely live stream of uh, Arcade Racing Legends recently, which is brilliant. So, um, yeah, do check us out on all those places. And, um, yeah, also, of course, the Dream Pod, which you can find on all good podcatchers, uh, also available on the dreamcastjunkyard.co.uk as well. So please go, go along, listen back to episodes of that, and uh, follow us along in future. Uh, again, thank you so much for listening, everybody, and um, see you next time. Bye-bye. Please stop this disc now. 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 Enjoying the Winterfest? Why not keep listening to Radio Sega once it's over? There's plenty of live shows, and you can even request your favorite music from our playlist. You're listening to Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24 7.